When someone does something stupid or hurtful, it's so easy to want to share it with everyone we know. Social media is flooded with people sharing the dumb and wicked things other people have done. But why are they sharing it? Slander is a sin, but is slander what you say or why you say it? Can a Christian say negative things about someone without slandering them? What does God expect from us as we strive to live a merciful life? God doesn't slander us, and we should emulate His great mercy. The one true God of the universe has existed since eternity past in ultimate perfection. He spoke the cosmos into existence for His soul, honor, and glory. He moved heaven and earth to redeem mankind, even though we have nothing to offer Him. And He's given us everything we need for life and godliness in His Word. He deserves our worship. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our praise. I'm your host, A.M. Brewster, and this is the Celebration of God. Welcome back to our Merciful Life series. I hope you've listened to last week's episode. Definitely make sure you start there. Otherwise, I'm honored to have you joining us today. It is my pleasure and great joy to minister to you in this way. But it's an even greater blessing to minister face-to-face with a multitude of individuals and families the Lord has brought into my life. I love being a biblical counselor because I love revealing the awesomeness of God and helping those same people learn to glorify Him. And the topic we're discussing is one I have encountered so many times. I've encountered it in my own life, and in my wife's life, in my kids' lives, and every other life my life has touched. Even though we humans have received infinite mercy, we are so often incredibly merciless in the way we talk. And one of the most dramatic ways we display our merciless attitude is in our angry responses. Regardless of whether it's a full-on rage or mild annoyance, our merciless responses offend God and sin against the people in our lives. That's why we're working through this study together, so we can learn to be merciful to others as God is to us. So be sure to subscribe to the show, listen to all the episodes in this series, and access the free episode notes, transcript, and mercy resources I've linked for you in the description of today's show. And now let's consider our second unmerciful response that we need to withhold. Last time we were reminded of what it is to be merciful. We learned that one of our most basic sinful responses to undeserving people is antagonism, and we looked at the effects of malice in our lives. So let's again turn our attention to Ephesians 4.31. This verse outlines six items that we need to put away. The idea of putting something away has to do with hoisting it up and taking it someplace else. It's the same word used in Acts 27.13 to refer to raising an anchor. God wants us to exert all necessary effort to absolutely remove these things from our lives. And the idea we're considering today is slander. Number one, what is slander? Merriam-Webster defines slander as the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. The Greek word translated slander in this verse is also translated blaspheme when aimed at God. Therefore, we could say that a slanderous individual is someone who desires to tear down difficult people and situations. And they most often do this by gossiping and lying and manipulating. Before we continue, I want to draw a distinction for us. Last time we talked about the hurtful words we speak to others, and we define that as malice. Slander is also a form of malice, but instead of wanting to directly hurt the person we dislike, we're aiming our wicked words toward another so that their reputation and testimony will be hurt in that other person's eyes. It is malicious, but it's not the same as when we set out to unashamedly hurt someone directly. Now, please be very careful as you consider whether or not you have an issue slandering people. 
Some slander will be obvious, but others will be more culturally acceptable and therefore harder to spot. For example, you may believe you're talking to your pastor about a spiritually immature member of your church, when in actuality you aren't interested in that individual's relationship with God so much as you are getting them to stop doing what they're doing. Also, sometimes we believe that the thing we're saying is 100% true, but it doesn't matter if we believe it's true. What matters is whether or not it's true. A joke was told of Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church's morals. She kept sticking her nose into other people's business. Several members did not approve of her extracurricular activities, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. Well, she made a mistake when she accused new member George of being an alcoholic after she saw his old truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. She emphatically told George and several others that everyone seeing it there would know what he was doing. George, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just turned and walked away. He didn't explain, defend, or deny. He said nothing. Later that evening, George quietly parked his truck in front of Mildred's house, and he left it there all night. (laughs) Mildred may have believed George was an alcoholic, but that doesn't mean it was true. Another more realistic example is a claim like, My boss hates me. That is truly slanderous. Unless, of course, the boss actually hates the employee, but how often does anyone actually have proof of that? But then there's the issue with manipulation that comes from leaving certain information out. For example, when a child runs into the room screaming that his sibling took something from him, but he conveniently leaves out the fact that he took it from the other child first. He's slandering. And obviously, lying about someone is outright slanderous. In regard to its nature, slander has many marks against it. Number one, it's foolish because it denies God's reality. Proverbs 10.18 says, whoever utters slander is a fool. Two, it's a product of sinful anger. And three, most often, it's a lie, whether intentional or not. Now, you may be thinking, sure, I was angry when I said what I said, but I wasn't lying. What I said about that person was 100% true. The issue now lies in the fact that our desire was to tear them down in the eyes of the person in whom we're confiding. It's one thing to to state a fact. For example, Declan hit Oliver. It's something else to communicate that to focus on one's own need. When Declan hit Oliver, I had this rush of PTSD from when I experienced the same thing. But if I'm telling you that Declan hit Oliver because I want you to agree with me that Declan is a jerk, that's slander. So whether we're telling the truth about someone to malign their character or simply lying about them, we're being manipulative and unmerciful. So, number two, how do we address slander in our lives? A. We need to have our delusion confronted. There is nothing more important than truth. In fact, I refuse to have a conversation with someone if there is any doubt about the truthfulness of what is being said. Why waste 30 minutes listening to you slander our boss when I can say, you know as well as I do, that he gave you fair warning that you wouldn't be allowed to clock in if you were over 30 minutes late again. You were late, and he kept his word. He doesn't hate you, you just don't want to take responsibility for your tardiness. But this isn't just a question about the truthfulness of our words. We also need to consider the truthfulness of our intentions. If my boss told me to my face, I hate you, it could be appropriate for me to share with you that my boss told me that he hated me today. But why am I saying it? Am I saying it because you asked me why I was called to his office and I'm simply being honest about the situation? Am I saying it because I'm struggling with resentment and I need you to confront me in my sin? Am I telling you because I thought it was really interesting that he said that in light of the fact I had just done something nice for him, but my intention was merely to make an honest observation. I have no desire for you to have an attitude about him. 
Or am I saying it because I want you to affirm with me that he's a terrible person who deserves to be fired? That last one is slander. Letter B. We need to accept responsibility for the consequences of our slander. As I mentioned before, slander is not only a result of anger, it's more often than not a lie. There will be primary consequences and potentially secondary consequences for that sin, and we need to take full responsibility instead of blaming other people. One of the primary consequences that happens every time I sin is that I hurt my relationship with the people against whom I sin. You can't get around that, and I need to take responsibility. Letter C, we need Bible, not pragmatism. I guarantee you with no fear of being wrong that you justified your slander using pragmatism. Pragmatism is a philosophy that assesses the value of something based off of the success of its practical application. So if my slander accomplishes what I want, it must be good. If I can justify it with the worldly notion that he deserved it, then I'm okay. Instead, we need 1 Timothy 6, 3-5, which teaches that slander, interpreted here as abusive language, is the product of delusional living. God calls slanderers conceited, says they understand nothing, have a morbid interest in controversy, and are depraved in mind and deprived of truth. The main problem is that individuals who slander are calling God a liar and rejecting his will for their lives. If you're tempted to argue that your enemy, quote-unquote, deserves it, remember how the Bible teaches us to treat our enemies? Turn to Jude 1, 8-10. Jude relates an ancient account of how Michael and the devil were arguing about Moses' body, and Michael refused to slander, translated railing judgment, the devil, but instead called on God to do the job. In that same passage, once again, the Bible identifies the source of the problem as being defiled individuals who reject authority, acting like instinctual, unreasoning animals. And Psalm 15 is powerful because it describes the type of person who has a strong relationship with God. It reads, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Instead of hurting people, the Bible commands us to serve. Instead of lying about people, we're taught to speak the truth. One way to fill ourselves with truth is to ask our closest friends to help keep us accountable. We need to be humble enough to say, Listen, remember how I was complaining about my boss last week? It's true that what he did was wrong, but the only reason I told you was so that you would complain about him with me. That didn't glorify God, and I realized that I do that to you a lot. Will you please help me help keep me accountable? I want to be a more merciful person. My boss doesn't deserve my mercy any more than I deserve God's mercy, but the Lord pours it on me every day, and I need to do the same for my boss. And then letter D, we need to replace slander with mercy. Now, obviously, this means all lying is right out. Ephesians 4.25 commands, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. But what about when someone actually does something wicked, and I need to share it with someone else? First, we need to start with our own hearts. Why are we saying it? If there's any anger, I'm probably going to be slandering. If I want the other person to be mad at them too, I'm slandering. But consider Jesus' words in Matthew 23, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. Obviously Jesus wasn't lying, and he wasn't sinfully angry. But I guarantee you the Pharisees would have thought that what Jesus was saying was very slanderous. No, 
Jesus was speaking truth about the situation, not so that his disciples would think less of the Pharisees, but so that his disciples would not fall into the same sins. It wasn't about blaspheming the Pharisees. It was about a teaching moment for the disciples. So yes, you can be merciful and still speak the truth, but mercy demands that you don't try to demean the other person. Remember, God calls us to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving, just as God has forgiven us. He wants us to love our enemies, not seek their personal destruction at our own hands. In order to live a merciful life, we must stop being so slanderous. We must guard our words. We must guard the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. We need to speak the truth in love so that God's people are built up, not so that unbelievers are torn down. I hope you're sharing this series with your fellow disciples. Whether they're your friends, students, children, spouse, or fellow church members, please share this series with them so that you can all hold each other accountable to living a merciful life. And if you need help breaking the cycle of slanderous speech in your life, please write us at counselor at celebrationofgod.com. We would love to help. And join us next time as we seek to better know, love, and worship God and help the people in our lives do the same. To that end, we'll be discussing the unmerciful nature of clamor. If you want to know God better, celebrate Him more, and help the ones you love to do the same, subscribe to this podcast and visit celebrationofgod.com to learn more about this dynamic discipleship resource. And remember, the Celebration of God is a listener-supported ministry.